I was late in a manger growing up. You hear about it, you see it. I think for the longest time, it, it looks cozy. Like they're made to look. It looks like yellow memory foam on just what happened to be a perfect size thing for a baby, right? And so I think that's another example where it's like, I don't want to be familiar with that. This is a trough that animals ate food out of. Who knows if they were able to clean it? And then they found straw somewhere in the stable and they put it there and laid a baby, Jesus, the Son of God, in it. No other God of any religion has done this. How incredibly countercultural is our God? How countercultural is Jesus? The one who would save his people from their sins, who would release them from exile, that he'd come intentionally in utter humility, vulnerability, inconvenience, relational tension, family dysfunction, as Derek walked us through last week. This is the beauty of the incarnation. That is the act of God, the act of God humbling, condescending himself to take on human form in the body of Christ. And it's the intentional humility, vulnerability, inconvenience, and so on that characterizes the incarnation, which in turn gives us a picture of what it looks like to live a life that reflects Christ, to live intentionally. In her book, Keeping the Sabbath Holy, which many of you are probably familiar with at this point, it's been talked about quite a bit, and if you haven't read it, Please pick it up. It's wonderful. But Marva Dawn hits on how embracing intentionality is a key piece of keeping and honoring the Sabbath. That good and right intentionality means we care and that our affections and desires are appropriate. She shares the following personal example in her book. She says, If I want to convey to guests in my home the message that they are treasured for who they are and not for what they do, it is important that I be intentional about not letting them work or help on the Sabbath. Though the context for that example is the Sabbath of observance, Dawn isn't saying intentionality is unique to just the Sabbath, though. She goes on to say, let's hear this clearly, she goes on to say, such deliberateness goes against the grain of many Christian lives in 20th century, and I'd add 21st century America. We so easily fall into the patterns and habits of the world around us in its outrageous lack of commitment that we rarely take time to consider how we do what we do. Now, Dawn is speaking broadly here. For our purposes, I'd argue her critique is uniquely applicable within this Advent season, specifically this story, this familiar story of the birth of Jesus, a story that so many know a holiday that so many celebrate, whether they believe Jesus is king or not. And maybe there was a time where you saw a Christmas tree and the percentage of that person was Jesus' follower was higher, and now it's a common thing that we do, and it's fun, and it's beautiful, right? But it's different. It's unique. So how much more crucial for us to be intentional and deliberate in this season when so many things can look consistent, household to household, person to person, celebration to celebration. And there's two reasons. One, for the shaping of our own hearts, to experience the beauty of our God, to be in awe and not just familiar with who Jesus is, 
And, and we are a people whom God has called to be set apart. Not physically, no. But set apart in that we reflect the love of God. There's a uniqueness to his body. The kind of love that endures what he endured for the sake of others. The kind of love that people see and they want to know more about. The kind of love that doesn't make sense. The kind of love that makes people wonder, why are they doing that? Church in the Square, let's be intentional in this season. Let's be deliberate in this season. And I, I know to some extent it kind of rings, it rings loudly that it's like, yeah, well, we know what's the most important part of the season. And I think we all do. I would just ask that we'd slow down and consider this story, what's happening. Consider the time that it was happening in Joseph and Mary's life. Consider the countercultural nature of every piece of this story and how God works. We serve a God who intentionally and deliberately loved us. It wasn't just an accident. His, his incarnation was intentional and deliberate down to that minute detail. And I think it's important with those details because sometimes you can read these stories and not stop and pause and look at these details. And what can happen is you almost mythologize these stories or these people and not remember that these were real humans in real history in real time. And that's good. That needs to be the case for this to be a true story. And would we be a people who are intentional in the details and what we see in Scripture, but also in our own live, lives? Thinking about how we do what we do, as Marvadon says, and in every aspect of our lives, and specifically even in this Advent season. In other words, consumerism is not king. It might satisfy you for a moment, but it will leave you exhausted and depleted, Jesus, though, is king. He doesn't leave us exhausted and depleted. He says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Praise God. Sentimentality is not our Savior. In the moment, it feels nice, it feels cozy but it will leave you wanting in the new year. Instead, Jesus is our Savior. That baby, he satisfies for eternity and doesn't leave you wanting. Instead, he says, abide in him. And even in the hardships, he is there and near with us. Jesus is the reason for the season. That probably just triggered a lot of people. Um, it might be a true statement on the surface, but also, sadly, that can be easy to weaponize as a retort. Is that there's this battle that we're waging against other humans that Christ's work hasn't been sufficient for. However, it doesn't display the intentional love that God shows us through the birth of Jesus, does it? No. Instead, the same humility and love that God had in subjecting himself to a sinful world through the birth of his son Jesus is the same humility and love we see present in John 13 when Jesus, again in that moment, condescends himself, gets low, knows he's about to be betrayed or has been betrayed and washes his disciples' feet. That's the God that we serve. 
That's the God that loves us deeply. And so this season might bring you fun or excitement. To be clear, I'm not anti-sentimentality. Let me just a little bit. No, um, it's fun. I love the lights, Christmas trees, the music, cookies, all that. It might bring, but also this season might bring you sorrow or pain. It might bring you anger or resentment. And the reality is all those pieces, the Christmas tree, the lights, the cookies, the movies, yes, even the music, None of it brings lasting joy. None of it meets you where you are. None of it says, come, be with me. Let me love and care for you. None of it loves you and reminds you of your worth. Only Jesus does this beautiful work. His intentional and his incarnational love is why the writer of Hebrews can say in chapter 4, Verse 15 and 16. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Church in the Square, take this Advent season Sit, slow down. Don't let familiarity get in the way of the truth and beauty of God's word and the story of his incarnation. Because the reality is the awe and the beauty and the grace that we experience in that, then appropriately, we can enjoy those other things rightly. And I hope that truth and beauty and that story, this art incarnation story in a unique way, I hope that that pours over you and moves you in a way only God through his grace can do in this season and beyond. Can you pray with me? Lord, um, <clears throat> you are God. And so there's an aspect of you that's incomprehensible, Lord. Would we not forget that? And we, would we not forget that one of those ways that you continue to communicate who you are, your character, your attributes, is through your word, your scripture. And we are grateful for that, Lord. Would that grow an excitement in our hearts and a joy in our hearts and a thankfulness in our hearts? And would we have a yearning to know who you are more deeply, Lord, to be excited about that? And Lord, even in this season as we're grappling with what's typical, what's familiar, what's sentimental, Lord, that this wouldn't be a season to feel shame about any of that, Lord. Instead, that we'd see it as potential to understand that there's so much you have for us to know. Lord, would we be a people that yearns to see your face more clearly? And in seasons where it can be easier to coast along than others, Lord, would you work in our hearts? Would you slow us down? Would you have us consider 
your words, your stories. And would we do so trusting and believing that you will grow us, you will sanctify us, you will do a unique work in our hearts and minds. Because the reality is, Lord, that is what we have hope in, that is what we find joy in, that is what we find sustenance in. If all things weren't here tomorrow, Lord, you are here and near to us. Do we trust that? Do we believe that? You are so good, God. We love you. Amen.